What's up, everybody? How's it going in the internet wrestling community and all over the interwebs? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, kicking it with you on a weird day, a weird time, I should say. A uh, rare afternoon edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. And, uh, you know, things happen. Uh, Life gets in the way, but again, as I've always said, the beauty of a podcast is that I can do it pretty much whatever I want. Now, I agree, I get it. Um, it's still broadcasting. You're still expecting me to be on at a certain time. You're expecting to join me uh, in a certain way, and I appreciate that, and I love it, and I love the fans that I have. I really do. Uh, but uh, be that as it may, you know, things got in the way and here we are, but we're here and we're here to discuss the world of professional wrestling. Of course, we're also here to talk about some of the other things that kind of happen in combat sports as well. So we're going to touch a little bit on the big fight that happened last uh, night. And of course, the, uh, I guess... I don't want to say retirement, but maybe the uh, the directional shift, the pivot, so to speak, of a legendary luchador last night in Triple Mania. So we'll talk about all that. Plus, anything else that you guys want to discuss, all you have to do is just make a comment below into the comment section, and I will check it. Uh, hopefully real time during the podcast itself on the heel and face page, and then go back on the heel turn wrestling page and uh, check it at a later date. And speaking of heel turn wrestling, just want you to know, keep checking it out. Do as the crawl uh, said just three seconds ago, Go to Heel Turn Wrestling 316, that's HG Wrestling 316, on Facebook and like and share it so you can get all of the great wrestling content that we produce, not just my show or not just to the turnbuckle, but everybody uh, involved as well. Uh, we are growing every day and we are being uh, really the leader of fan-based, fan-initiated pro wrestling content. So we're doing our thing and we love it. And we'd love for you to be a part of us as well. And you can also read the crawl every once in a while to get other news that I'm just not able to cover on the show, including a couple of other points that happened from Triple Mania 30 last night. So uh, you could just kind of look at my beautiful face every once in a while and then look up at the crawl to get any other news that you might have missed. But as I said in the open uh, blurb for the show, this is going to kind of be a reverse show today. So I'm going to actually start with the show that I watched because it's going to dovetail into something that I want to talk about as a topic. Uh, then I'll go into the rest of the topics that happened this weekend in combat sports. So let's not uh, waste any more time and just get right into SmackDown which is the only show I really watched. I watched a little bit of NWA, but not enough to give you 
a report or uh, cover it in a fair enough way. So we're just going to go with uh, SmackDown, what I did see. Uh, and once again, uh, SmackDown is killing it. I think it's going back to maybe 10, almost 15 years ago where Raw was... It's actually, actually, no, I'm going to take that back. It's kind of reversed now because it was known that Raw was the character-driven, story-heavy show of WWE. And SmackDown was considered more of the athletic performance. You got more of the athletic wrestlers on that show. Um, you got uh, you had Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton... Uh, edge, but uh, Raw was mostly for the big dudes, you know, Undertaker, uh, uh, the end of Stone Cold's career, John Cena, but mostly Raw was the drama, the whole wrestling, the entertainment side of sports entertainment, and SmackDown was generally considered the athletic side, the sports side of sports entertainment. Well, not anymore. That has flipped because there are a ton of different uh, dramatic events that are coming on that's going back to what some would say more of an attitude era feel. So let's get to it. Uh, we start hot, hot, as the kids say, and we see Drew McIntyre assaulting carrying across in the parking lot uh, we zoom in with Michael Cole giving us a play-by-play -play of what exactly happened out in the parking lot you see a uh, very very uh, nice truck and a very very nice sports car I think it was a Lamborghini it was uh, obviously wrecked and not in good shape and you see a carrying cross uh, scarred up, bleeding from the forehead, doubled over in pain as his uh, now wife, Scarlett, is tending to him in a very concerned manner. While Cole is describing the scene, out of nowhere you hear uh, a rampaging Drew McIntyre screaming and running toward the fallen carrion cross attempting to once and for all finish him off and uh, just gave him a horrendous beatdown. He had to be pulled apart by scrap daddy, Adam Pierce by Shane Helms and by uh, Kenny Dykstra, AKA Kenny Sloan, his real name. And then, uh, then we kind of cut to a prone, carrying cross a looking decimated uh, Drew McIntyre was actually about to slam carrying Cross's head into the door of the car and that's when uh, the pull apart happened so we're getting some old school hatred between two guys who can really go so I'm for it this is a way for Drew to kind of stay relevant without having to chase a belt we're going to see what he can do while he's not in the title picture and we can see if he can elevate Gary cross into the title picture so 
that is remains to be seen. Um, after that, we get a treat because we get to see uh, the honorary Oos, Sami Zayn take on Kofi Kingston. Uh, Sami Zayn just, uh, I think, at his absolute best. Uh, he did take an L last on last Raw, but the bloodline have determined that Sami Zayn is going to, you know, get another shot at uh, another wrestler, and it was Kofi Kingston this time. It was an incredible match anyway, to, to, to say the least. Uh, Sami Zayn is just killing it on all fronts. I'm still going to uh, just contend that there's nothing that Sami Zayn can do right now that would ruin this whole angle, that would make it bad. He's just just amazing. Um, but the twist at the end, uh, which is you know continuously hinting uh, the Jay Uso is going to break. So Jay was forced to go and be Sammy's second in the ring. And at the end of the match, uh, Jay caused uh, Sammy Zayn to uh, win the match due to interference. Sammy ended up hitting the blue thunder bomb and pinning Kingston, which was uh, fantastic. What a great way to uh, further the storyline. And, um, of course, you know, uh, now Jay says, you um, you know, you, you got the win with my help. Uh, Sami Zayn says, I didn't really need your help. Uh, and continuing this great storyline on. This is the part of the rumor that Jay is going to break out very soon from the bloodline and go out on his own and become a main event star. So we will see how this goes. Uh, next on the show, the Monster Among Men defeated two local competitors. And it was a handicap match because that's all they do is they just feed a lot of these guys handicap matches. And the only thing of note, really, other than how... Uh, this uh, poor uh, Brian Thomas, I believe, uh, almost uh, got his neck broken. Uh, thankfully, Braun Strowman had enough strength to muscle him back up and powerbomb him for real. But the only other thing of note is that they're setting up the feud between him and Omos. Omos came to the ring with MVP, his new advocate or coach or you know, manager, whatever you want to call him. That's what he is. And, uh, they just came down to the ring and that's what that, uh, that's just something to set up for the next pay-per-view, obviously probably, uh, for crown jewel because Saudi Arabians can't get enough of huge giant dudes being the, uh, crap out of each other. Next, match was the blessing and return of LA Knight as he got his first match as LA Knight on SmackDown where he took on Mansoir who vowed to put that guy Max in his place. It was a really nice match. A little, uh, you know, a little uh, unevenly matched there. 
LA Knights, the bigger dude, uh, the older dude, didn't need a whole lot of flipping and flopping and flying. It was just a good ground-based match. Um, LA Knight put Mansoor out over the top rope and then hit him with the BFT. I'm not so sure uh, guys who are LA, LA Knights, I wanted, to say, I wanted to say Eli Drake, LA Knights size are going to be able to sell the BFT, so he might have to come up with another maneuver, another finisher. But it looked cool. It looked like it really hurt. Um, so then uh, Massey tried to attack LA Knight, but LA Knight got the better of him. Then got on the microphone and cut an LA Knight promo, which he kind of stumbled through a little bit, and I was a little worried that, you know, someone in the back will say, oh, he couldn't do it. You know, he can't do it. He can't uh, pick up the ball and run with it. But hopefully that was just a little minor glitch in a really good coming out performance by L.A. Knight. Yeah, I don't think he's allowed to call people dummy, though, but I wish he would. So at any rate, uh, good show. Everybody's happy that L.A. Knight is back to being L.A. Knight. Next, we had Damage Control coming over from Raw to take on uh, Raquel Rodriguez, Shotzi, and Roxanne Perez, who was up from NXT and joined her old partner, uh, Rodriguez, to join with Shotzi Blackheart, who's uh, teaming up with Rodriguez now that uh, Alana is still injured. No jitters on Roxy's part. No no rookie uh, vulnerability. Matter of fact, she and Bailey did most of the match. They worked most of the match, especially Roxanne took a lot of the punishment from EO and from Dakota. Uh, but Roxy is fantastic. Like she's she wrestles like a ten year veteran of the sport. I'm sure she pretty much is right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, she started training at 14, 15. So here she is now in her early 20s. I think she just turned 21 or she's nearing 21 or 20. So she's already been in wrestling for at least six years. And she's proven to be a very, very good wrestler. Like I said, she was the rookie of the year, I think, last year. And now she still, you know, did she did not act like she was in trouble. She did not look like she needed any help. She didn't look lost. She did everything uh, great and really uh, pulled off all of her moves. And then, of course, wrestling Bailey is a heel, which you can't go wrong with that. So um, there was a lot of violence outside the ring, too. Dakota Kai almost got caught in a Tejana bomb. But EO uh, did a moonsault onto the floor and whacked. And it looked like it hit Dakota Kai, but it didn't. And whack. Um, Raquel Rodriguez knocked her out for a little bit. Um, and then uh, the kind of lucha spot evolved where Shotzi then had to go out to the floor and I thought Bailey was going to do it but no Bailey and uh, Roxy stayed in the ring to finish the match had great five minutes good exchange um, Roxy and countered the the 
first Bailey to belly came in with her move of her own threw Bailey off, got back into it. Bailey trapped her again in the Bailey to belly and hit her with the two counts that didn't get the job done. And then uh, I think Bailey hit her with the rose plant and it was one, two, three. So again, nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be ashamed of as far as Roxy. And uh, if she's going to be on SmackDown now, uh, this is a great place for her, but I don't think so. I think they were just hyping up Halloween Havoc, hyping up uh, the upcoming events on NXT, because uh, uh, I believe uh, Roxanne has a weapons match with Cora Jade, so we'll see how that unfolds. Next match, Legato Del Fantasma uh, came out to finally face Hit Row, uh, it was a hot start from the beginning. Ashanti, the Adonis, threw a really wicked knee to Cruz del Toro. Um, I even went, dang. And then Top Dollar um, re, uh, just continues to be a, a, like a deceptively good like work of art, man. I mean, you know, his look is kind of dumpy, obviously. And you look any former NFL uh, lineman and, you know, he's got everything. He's got the look. He's got the promo ability, the attitude, all that stuff. But he, it's funny. It's like he he doesn't look like he should be that good, and yet he is very good. His, uh, f- like, version of the foot flop and fly elbow where he got jiggy, I kind of felt like that was a little too long, but uh, he pulled it off. And then when he went up in the air, I mean, you know, I've seen Big Boss Man, One Man Gang, a couple of guys his size get up in the air, but nothing to that to that effect. Uh, his elbow came down on top of, I believe, Walking Wild, and uh, it looked like, I know, I'm not trying to be too hyperbolic, but it looked like a Muda elbow. He just came up and backed down with this, with the quickness and with the with the velocity, but also with the with the power. Oh man, it looked like he 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 killed that poor guy. Uh, but it was top dollar. It's just a great athlete all around. And then uh, of course uh, chaos ensued. Uh, Santos got involved and knocked uh, Adonis off the top rope as he was about to win with this finisher, which Legato then grabbed. Adonis and put him in their new finishing because it didn't look like a finishing move I ever saw before. It looked kind of sloppy too. They called it the Sacrificio. I believe it's um, it's like total elimination but with a neck breaker. I don't know. I'll have to look at it again to see what it was. But it was, you know, it was okay. It didn't look like the best. Out of all the rankings of all of the finishing moves, um, you know, uh, it needs it leads a lot to be desired, but nevertheless, Legado del Fantasma gets the win, and then they cut a, an all Spanish promo in the back with the exclusive. You know, they're stars, and once they finally put Escobar over enough for him to have a singles match, it's going to be fantastic. I understand why they put Zelina Vega with them. Not happy about it. I don't see what was 100% wrong with Electra Lopez. I thought she was doing really well. I hope they have plans for her in NXT. 
maybe she can uh, start going for the NXT Women's Championship too. It kind of sucks to see somebody who've worked hard and kind of deserves it uh, to be bumped out of a position for someone else. But, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of Zelina's role sometimes too, is to be that obnoxious, fast talking mouthpiece for a lot of the wrestlers. I mean, she shouldn't really need to be like Santos Escobar. He speaks better English than a lot of the American born wrestlers. I know that for sure. So uh, they do have charisma on their own, but again, the genius of wrestling, when you put all those added parts together, just makes it a lot better. I hope that this means that the WWE tag team division is going to remain or at least get stronger. I know that the Viking Raiders are apparently coming back with Sarah Logan, who's going to be in a limited role, not necessarily a wrestler, but someone who's going to be there, like kind of like Zelina Vega. So hopefully with uh, you've got Hit Row, Legato, the New Day, hopefully intermixing with the newer teams. You've got the Viking Raiders, the Viking Experience, whatever they're called. And then hopefully you have um, Street Profits and any other tag teams. Uh, the Los Lotharios, where are they? Um, I, and I know, I know, I know what you're going to say. Uh, because uh, Montez Ford's been injured and uh, Angelo Dawkins is doing quite well, uh, quite well, that they're going to have uh, a, a singles pushing him very soon. And I'm all for that. Trust me, I'm all for that. I've been saying for weeks that Angelo Dawkins continues to be underrated, to continues to bust his butt, and continues to be consistently one of the best wrestlers on the WWE roster. So it's not lost on me, guys. I do understand that um, Angelo Dawkins is, is one of the best. Um, in a vignette backstage, Rey Mysterio approaches his old friend Triple H, the boss. And he says that, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't go up against my son. Uh, I can't uh, work like this. Uh, they're going to force me to do it. And I just, I refuse to fight my son for any reason. So I'm just going to announce my retirement from WWE. Triple H takes one look at him and says, let's talk. So as my point earlier of SmackDown now becoming, that used to be the more athletic, but now it's becoming the more drama-based show, Rey Mysterio has signed an exclusive contract to SmackDown. And on his first night as a SmackDown wrestler in 15 years, Rey Mysterio took on Sheamus, Ricochet, and Solo Sokoa. To uh, in a fatal four-way to have a shot at the Intercontinental Championship. You had a great mix in this match. Uh, you had veterans, you had young guys, you had high flyers. It was all good. Everything and and, and this was all also uh, a match of you know Triple H's favorite wrestlers, three of his favorite wrestlers. So, um, 
you know, they did their thing. I think Sheamus is now incorporating more beats of the ball on than 10. And he wore out that rookie soul of Sokoa. He really did. By the way, Sokoa, again, is a Samoan. So you know he's going to be naturally good at wrestling. They just come out good at pro wrestling. Uh, don't understand uh, Jimmy Smith's um, his comments were a little confusing and a little frustrating. Uh, his first time back on his Sirius XM show after uh, a year of being in WWE, the comments that he made about Roman Reigns, like, yeah, I understand. Roman Reigns is a muscle guy. He is, you know, from uh, the football world. He played football. So, you know, he's not as trained as a wrestler is or as a shoot artist or whatever. I don't know what Jimmy Smith is, is expecting. But then again, uh, Roman Reigns is Samoan. And I'm not challenging a Samoan to a fight, even if I know they can't fight MMA or not for real. So I, that was a little confusing from Jimmy Smith. Solo Sokoa, on the other hand, though, fantastic. Little brother doing really well, doing good things. Um, interestingly enough, this was the first time that Rey Mysterio and Sheamus ever faced off against each other. Um, he went after Sheamus, and Sheamus wrestled him back. So uh, it was very impressive. Uh, you know, uh, good stuff out of both of those guys. Sheamus had, um, at the end of the match, Solo Sokoa in the Irish Clover Leaf, which looked pretty painful in the young Samoan Dynasty. Um, sorry, not Samoan Dynasty, Samoan Bloodline member was about to tap out until Sami Zayn and Jay Uso came to the ring, which is what uh, Michael Cole said. There was no disqualifications, so it was okay. But then the rest of the Brawling Brutes came out to have Sheamus' back, and it turned into a, a brawl at that point. And then, of course, everyone's fantasy booking came true, where Ricochet and Mysterio were the last two left in the ring, and... An amazing performance ensued, as you would have expected. Like PWG and like AEW says, we've got incredible action. We have amazing spots. And then WWE promptly says, hold my beer. Uh, back and forth was epic between the two fantastic high flyers. Uh, Ricochet came off. I believe he uh, attempted the 450 and missed Rey Mysterio come back with the 619 to put Ricochet away. And then your new number one contender for the Intercontinental title against the Ring General Gunther. So we shall see. That's going to be a very interesting matchup for whenever it is. Okay, which brings us to the end of SmackDown. And the end of SmackDown was um, interesting because we had all been anticipating for Bray Wyatt, right? We've been all waiting for Bray to show up, and he finally does. 
and it was different. It was a different vibe. I must admit, I was really into it because I didn't expect, you know, you don't expect anything, right? You know, pray for, uh, hope for the best, pray for the worst, whatever. Uh, no idea how this integration of Bray Wyatt or this characterization of Bray Wyatt is going to happen. Well, everybody, um, they're taking an interesting tack. This is Bray Wyatt stripped down. This is Bray Wyatt, as they say, living the square. This is Bray Wyatt, uh, Bray Wyatt um, with no attachments. This is who he is. This is probably as close to Wyndham Rotundo as we're ever going to see. And he came out and cut a really nice promo about how he appreciates the fans. The fans were there for him. And uh, they supported him in his dark times and they wouldn't let him forget. They wouldn't let him get too down. And they were, you know, and he was talking about how one guy was on Twitter talking to him about how, or it wasn't Twitter. I think it was in, in, in public, how he was talking to Bray saying, you know, I was in some really dark times myself, but by watching you, I came out of it. And that really inspired him. And this is Bray. This is me. This is who I am. Uh, this is this is just uh, you know be, me being humble, me being thankful, thanking the fans for sticking with me through my dark times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, as he's about to close out his thoughts, we see this visage pop up on the jumbotron, and a masked individual whom we know only to be at this point Uncle Howdy addressed Bray Wyatt and telling Bray that he's not done with him yet and to forget the past to forget the future just focus on me and basically how dare you leave me and now we have a situation where we're getting actual Bray Wyatt. The actual human being is close to Wyndham Rotundo in real life as possible, facing his possible inner demon and literal inner, de inner demon as well. With the name Uncle Howdy, some are saying that this is an allusion back to the exorcist, which is which Captain Howdy was one of the nicknames of the demon Pazuzu who possessed the little girl. And this is definitely leaning into Bray Wyatt's own personal mental health issues. And of course, what's the cliche when a pro wrestler doesn't act to the greatest as a human being is that they are, in fact, wrestling with their demons? Well, the literal manifestation of Bray Wyatt, the real-life, true-life manifestation of Bray Wyatt wrestling with his demons was just on display on SmackDown. And uh, I'm for it. I'm here for it. Just like I said with Sami Zayn, there is not one storyline that's going to come out of this rebirth and reboot of Bray Wyatt that is going to be bad. Take a minute to reflect. Take a minute to think about this. When Bray Wyatt came out, 
he's all about conflict. Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family came out as self versus society, basically. Self versus the world, self versus culture, however you want to place it. Bray Wyatt was a cult leader who was going to come to give salvation, his brand of salvation to the world, and everyone was going to join him. His fireflies were going to join him and to run. He was going to become a guru, a Svengali of sorts, and he was going to take over the world with his cult. Okay? All right? Okay? Uh, then when they dropped the ball on that, when WWE and Vince McMahon dropped the ball on that, then he was repackaged and morphed as self versus others, right? Bray Wyatt is this uh, tormented soul who was against other people and had to come up with a personality disorder in order for him to cope with him not being able to deal with other wrestlers in society. So it was a mechanism for him to shield himself, who he really was, by coming up with these outlandish characters and having these psychotic breaks of reality where the, the lines of reality and, and, and fantasy or reality and mental illness are blurred. Even stepping into the supernatural as far as uh, is this really happening? Is this not happening? Sucking multiple characters, including Matt Hardy and John Cena into his world as well. But now Bray Wyatt is at a different conflict. It's not against society and it's not against others. Now Bray Wyatt is against himself. Self versus self. How's that working? Self versus self is the idea that something is wrong with him or something is lacking in his personality and he needs to overcome it. And in this case, this Bray Wyatt, who is finally at peace with himself, who is finally no more accoutrement, no more supernatural demon, no more backwoods uh, religious zealot, no more mentally unhinged man-child. Now we're getting the real Bray Wyatt except for the fact that his demons are now chasing him. His literal inner demon is coming after him. So this is going to be interesting. Is it going to be a case where Bray Wyatt is going to be compelled by Captain Howdy, Uncle Howdy, to, to somehow cheat, act underhandedly, take cheap shots, in order to win, is this going to be where Bray Wyatt has to calm Uncle Howdy, to repress Uncle Howdy, to put Uncle Howdy in a state where it doesn't bother him while he wrestles? What happens if Bray Wyatt has a three or four match losing streak? Will Uncle Howdy then manifest? Or... Will Bray Wyatt finally get the opportunity to say fight Seth Rollins for the U.S. championship? Only 
to have Uncle Howdy get in his head right before Bray Wyatt performs Sister a Abigail after renaming Sister Abigail something else. What happens then? Will Uncle Howdy jump into Bray's mind and fill him with self-doubt? You can't win the big one. You've never really been able to win the big one. They were just, you were lucky enough to have it the first time, blah, 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 given the self-doubt to not be able to perform. I don't know. But whatever the outcome of Bray Wyatt and Uncle Howdy, you know for a fact that it is going to be fantastic, that it is going to be well well done. Uh, just as an aside, again, the great Tom Savoldi is involved with making the mask. Uh, the concept art's done by a couple of fans who also have uh, experience with design of horror and, and the WWE's hired former uh, Marvel uh, writer, an independent comic book and horror uh, movie uh, writer and critic Rob Free to oversee the long-term storylining of not just this, but also of other WWE uh, angles and storylines. So that's refreshing. It seems like there's a fresh set of eyes on this and other things. But it, it's also, um, you know, again... We're hiring writers to write for TV. Well, this is probably the perfect opportunity for a writer who actually has skill and something to contribute, knows what he's doing. He's also worked in uh, with, with professional wrestlers before, but I don't think this is a guy who's going to Vince Russo the entire uh, backstage of WWE and demand that his stories get on first or his stories do that. I think he's looking long-term about... Uh, the uh, the character development, especially of Bray Wyatt, and I'm really interested to see what Rob Free is going to do with the character of Bray Wyatt moving forward. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot that happened to WWE, and I'm glad that you were here to kind of talk about it with me. We are going to just go right into the news then of the week that kind of happened and um, we're going to start off with uh, with boxing. I don't know a better way to uh, segue in to this. So if you're going to have to bear with me, but something big happened last night in boxing as frustrated super heavyweights, Challenger for Tyson Fury and, and others' belts. Deontay Wilder knocks out Robert Hellenius with a right hand in the first round. It didn't take long at all. If you saw the video, uh, Hellenius is trying to advance forward, trying to put uh, uh, Wilder in the corner to do some work. He, of course, leads with his face, and that's where Deontay Wilder uh, waffled him with a right. And of course, as you know about Wilder's punching power, he does not need a whole lot. He only, he didn't even come from the shoulder. I think he came from the elbow and just it was a straight right. I just put 
uh, Hellenius out. And then what was nice is that after that, Wilder then called Hellenius and went to his hotel room to check on him to see if he was okay. So I don't know. Maybe Deontay Wilder has um, turned a new leaf. Maybe Deontay Wilder has no more interest in killing a man in the ring anymore. Maybe he was humbled from the whole experience from fighting Tyson Fury. Who knows? But speaking of Fury, Robert Hellenius likes, looks curiously a lot like Fury. We will see how this shapes up with Deontay Wilder putting him back into serious title contention. Again, you've got Usich, who's the champion. You've got Tyson Fury, who's the linear heavyweight champion. Uh, you've got other uh, legit heavyweights. You've got Joshua waiting in the wings. You've got a lot of people who are clouding or clouding, crowding the uh, heavyweight boxing scene around the world. So it's going to be interesting to see if Wilder is going to get back into the mix, possibly fighting Usyk. Who knows? He may even have to go through Joshua first because Joshua definitely wants to go back after uh, Usyk. So who knows what's going to happen, but Deontay Wilder wins via knockout. Um, right, so we go from that to speaking of combat sports, this will, uh, this is just, again, the fact that I'm reporting on stuff like this or even talking about stuff like this, it just blows my mind. I would just prefer not to, uh, but it's newsworthy. It makes news. So why not talk about it? And I don't know what else to say other than Tony Khan is at it again. Uh, Ariel Hawani, who doesn't have to, by the way, have wrestlers, but he also knows that having wrestlers or having wrestling related content on his podcast is going to uh, improve his reach. But Ariel Hawani insisted on having Tony Khan on his show to talk about the state of AEW, about the fights, about people wanting to leave mental health issues among the uh, the wrestlers, et cetera, et cetera. And Tony Khan could have taken this opportunity to set something straight, to set a leadership role, to really get people behind his product, avoided every question. If you, And so Ariel Hawani says that the Tony Khan interview to him was the most frustrating he ever had with a combat sport personality. Ariel Helwani asked him about CM Punk's future. Tony Khan said, I can't talk about that right now. Ariel Helwani asked about the Bucks' future and the EVP situation. He said, I can't talk about that right now. So basically every question that Ariel Helwani asked, Tony Khan demurred by saying, I can't talk about that right now. But the worst part of it was... The worst part of it was that all Tony Khan wanted to do was get to promoing uh, the pay-per-views and all the events that are coming up. He didn't want to answer any questions about the present. 
didn't want to answer any questions about the problems or the, the bad things that are going on in his company. He just wanted to basically get on a promo because I would assume that Tony Khan just thought that Ariel Helwani is just one more guy who is, you know, loving AEW unconditionally and will bend over backwards in order to put AEW over. And that certainly is not how the world works. Listen, Ariel Helwani, if you guys don't know, is a very well-respected MMA journalist. He started covering MMA for, um, I think, MMA fanatics or MMA junkie. And then he parlayed his really good skills. And this was, this was before about 10 years ago before you got on your own platform and launched your own platform. He got hooked up with ESPN and then he was, he became the number one MMA combat sports reporter for ESPN. Now he didn't do a whole lot of boxing, but then they would also, this was also the time where WWE was throwing bones out there to be able to see if there was interest in uh, ESPN acquiring uh, any of the uh, content or making a deal instead of doing the thing with Peacock. So that's why you saw quite a bit of, of, of wrestlers like Triple H going through the car wash at ESPN. And you saw Ariel Hawani interviewing a lot of uh, pro wrestlers. But basically, Ariel Hawani is a vastly well-respected MMA reporter and he's not just a reporter I mean he gets to into his scoops like he does things that journalists really don't do anymore which is have great sources trust but verify double triple check and then go ahead and report well of course he and ESPN parted ways but he's now turning his brand into a thing where he just basically interviews uh, MMA fighters uh, and wrestlers and so and so and he doesn't need to interview wrestlers by the way he could just stick with MMA and boxing and he'd be fine he has enough contacts in the MMA that he could keep going and uh, he has just enough knowledge of boxing uh, way more than I do by the way but just enough knowledge of boxing to have credible boxers on from time to time and other combat sport artists and other people that interest him because that's what a podcast is right well he doesn't have to have Tony Khan on and yet Tony Khan became so obfuscating, just refused to address any of the problems that are beleaguering AEW right now. And it's a shame because it was a really good opportunity to clear the air on a lot of things. And, you know, if all Tony Khan needed to have said was, uh, hey, Ariel, I would love to answer that. But unfortunately, we're going through the legal process on some of these issues that you're bringing up. I'll just say this blah, 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 and be done with it. No, he just refused because Tony Khan is uh, convinced that the entire reason for a press is to make him look good. And that happens when you just hire marks and other people who just agree with you or do it for free, really. Ariel Helwani wasn't doing it for free. He's not Dave Meltzer. He's not Brian Alvarez. He's reporting MMA news. He's reporting wrestling news. He doesn't have to talk to wrestlers. And yet, he also understands, just like I said, that 
pro wrestling does in fact bring a lot of eyes and a lot of hits to his site. So he's not stupid. He's just not going to ask wrestlers uh, fluff questions. He's going to ask them serious questions. And when you have the CEO and president of the supposedly second biggest uh, wrestling promotion in North America who doesn't do press or doesn't have a press. Well, he does do press. That's his problem. He does too much press. He does press. He does it terribly. He has no PR to speak of. And he just basically flies off the handle and lets the inmates run the asylum. Well, you're not going to do that enough where it's going to, uh, people are just going to blow it off and say it's okay or allow it to happen. Ariel Hawani is going to hold your feet to the fire just like most of us as fans do. And uh, it's really sad to see that, uh, you know, Tony Khan could have had the opportunity to make that appearance on Ariel Hawani uh, really smooth and really a good piece. Even if it was a puff piece, even if it was a lot of fluff, then, then I would have understood that because, again, nobody says anything. WWE doesn't say anything. New Japan doesn't say anything. Uh, you know, there's certain football coaches like Bill Belichick. They're artists at not saying anything. And all Tony Khan, if he was really that interested, he could have just said nothing. And yet he said nothing in the absolute worst way, which was to just say no comment and blow it off like Ariel Hawani isn't a respected journalist and wasn't going to ask serious questions. So, uh, you know, he had a prime opportunity to make himself look good. He had a prime opportunity to position himself as the, uh, the second most powerful wrestling promoter in North America. But the Booker of the Year chose to uh, run away and hide. So that is what that is. And it's unfortunate that it happened, but it did. But it did. Uh, now, speaking of, uh, so we'll go from there and we'll kind of close with this note. Uh, this was actually kind of a heartwarming thing uh, to come from uh, the world of uh, professional wrestling, especially uh, the world of Lucha Libre. So Triple Mania was yesterday. There were a lot of incredible matches. As you could tell, I highlight a couple of them in the crawl, talking about El Velquinho, uh, one of the top 10 wrestlers, according to PWI, retained over Ray Phoenix at Triple Mania. And then, of course, Taya Valkyrie uh, retaining her belt over a very game Camille, who Camille probably is one of the top 10 female wrestlers. Uh, especially that no one's talking about in the world right now. But Taya Valkyrie was able to stave her off. Camille, still the NWA Women's Heavyweight Champion, though. So that's good for her. But really, uh, the biggest news out of uh, Triple Mania uh, 30 last night was an emotional Viano 4 unmasks after his loss to Penta El Cero. So this was a mask versus mask match. This was actually a tournament with the final of this. So even though technically Viano 4 won the match, from what I understand, he still had to uh, lose his mask. 
to a very, very tough opponent in Penta El Cerro, who took, who, who spared no expense on the 57-year-old professional wrestler who gave it his all, but it just wasn't good enough. At the end of the match, uh, uh, Penta, uh, you know, was was going in for the kill. Viano, then, um, by the way, there were some shots that, uh, I mean, Viano was definitely hitting uh, Penta with some shots that seemed like he was on the way to retirement. So nothing's really clear. I don't think this is necessarily a retirement match. But uh, Viano gave it all he had and unfortunately ended up short. He did hit uh, Penta with a move on the ring apron that looked brutal. Uh, but in the end, uh, it was a bloody affair with Penta El Cerro coming out on top. And Viano, then an emotional Viano, grabs the microphone and he praises uh, Penta for his work. And he talks about how he was the years ago, uh, you know, starting this business uh, 42 years ago as a professional wrestler. He's at the age of 57 and his real name is Tomas Diaz Mendoza and gave an emotional speech about how much he left in the ring as far as his career is concerned. And um, it's always cool to see an old warrior on his shield. Again, not 100% sure if he is officially retired. If you know for a fact, if you can shed some light on this, please go ahead and do so on the Heel and Face podcast page or uh, on the Heel Turn Wrestling page. But definitely shed some light on the subject. But it was a very emotional uh, night, an emotional time, to say the least. And uh, God bless Viano for the only other thing that he is, I don't want to say famous for, but infamous for, uh, the uh, horrible double team botch, Chris Canyon and Raven on uh, Nitro, I believe. Uh, they were fighting uh, Viano 4 and Viano 5. And Chris Canyon picks uh, Viano 4 up in the powerbomb. And Raven uh, grabbed on with a neckbreaker, but Raven went down too early. And therefore, uh, when Chris Canyon followed through with the powerbomb, Viano 4 landed straight up on the back of his neck. And he did suffer major neck injuries from that. Uh, he was actually paralyzed for a few minutes as they stretchered him out. But I think he survived with a minor fracture. So thank God. And uh, that ended up banning uh, double team moves like that in uh, WCW. And uh, Raven felt terrible about it. But again, uh, you know, it's not ballet. Uh Raven and Chris Canyon were some of the safest wrestlers out there anyway. It was just a timing issue. But, yeah, it was. I watched it live. It was really ugly when uh, they uh, unintentionally fractured Viano 4's neck. They didn't even know if he would wrestle ever again. And 
He was obviously able to recover 20, 25 years later to be able to look at retirement and do the honorable thing, which is unmask himself after a mask versus mask match. So shout out to Viano4. Thank you for your years of service. Thank you for your great years of wrestling, especially being a Lucha hero. All right, that is it for me. The big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo. I am out for another edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. Guys, thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate your time. Just a quick reminder that uh, if you are so inclined, if you would like to support the show, please, by all means, you can share this page with your friends, share your pay this page with people that you know, even share the page with people that you know are wrestling fans, but you don't particularly like me. I don't care if you personally don't like me, but you know somebody who might. So go ahead and share the page. Or if you want to look for me and my other social media platforms, all you have to do is just type in Heal and Face Podcast. Heel and Face Podcast and the little winged devil icon that you see in the bottom left corner there will come up and then you can be with me. So thanks for joining me. Oh, and I also also forgot to mention, uh, I'm also on your favorite podcast streaming platform as well. So you can join me there as well. If you're unable to watch the show, but you can uh, watch the show with uh, your, uh, you know, not watch, but you can uh, listen along to the show with uh, your ride from the car. You can uh, listen along in the morning when you get ready for work or uh, before you wind down at the end of the day, whatever you prefer to do. You can listen to one half of the show and then listen to the other half. I don't care how you do it as long as you do it. So again, Heal and Face Podcast on all social media platforms and you can listen to the audio version of this podcast on your favorite podcast streaming service thanks for joining me this week it is me it is me the big old stvc going away for now but i'll be back next week to talk wrestling with you peace